Due to the graphic nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussion of murder and assault that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. This is a prepaid collect call from an incarcerated individual at County Detention Center. This call is not private. It will be recorded and may be monitored. Guess what time it is? It's time for crime! In this episode, we will be discussing Elizabeth Johnson's case. We hope to answer the following questions. Is a child custody hearing important? What is your escape vehicle? How much is a baby worth? Listen in and find out more. But for now, try not to end up on an episode unless you're a guest. Hey guys, welcome back. This is your host, Vanny. And this is Kat. Welcome, new friends, and welcome back, stalkers. We hope to capture you today in this new episode. So, Kat, how was your week? Oh, it was it was good. It was good. Yep. Yeah, things are getting busy at work, so I know we get these spurts. Yeah, it gets it, it goes up and down, right? Yeah, it goes up and down. Just depending on how many how much the people are listening to the news and freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> or scared to death to go to an appointment. It's terrible. I was in the middle of about um, at work today, and my electricity just decided to just go out. Oh wow! And I guess this whole area decided to lose power. So I don't know exactly if somebody crashed into the <laughs> a transformer or what, but it was definitely some uh, issues with electricity. So I was like, oh my gosh, I have a meeting. It's coming up. I had to message everybody like, hey, I'm not going to be available. Oh my gosh crazy i'm like all of a sudden it went oh yeah (laughs) i was on a video call with a friend and i was showing her like some of the documents i was working on and she just was like okay are you okay like that was weird just completely shut out i was like yeah my bad (laughs) (laughs) so that was a highlight for me nothing much going on all right well boys and girls things we've learned today the importance of paying your electric bill (laughs) I almost texted Peter, did you pay the electric bill? But he had already texted me and said, hey, was there an outage at the house? Because I just got a text message from SRP saying that the electric went out. So I was like, okay, yeah, I did go out. That's like, thank you for that. Now do you want to fix it? Yeah. Can you please fix it? And then they sent a notice like it wasn't going to get fixed till 12 something. So at least they kind of gave an update. So it was kind of, I guess, nice. Not what you want to hear, but, you know, just fix it. Yeah, true. Yeah, they're they're at least pretty good about giving you an estimate. Yeah, that was good. For all our listeners that live outside of Arizona, SRP is our electric company here in Arizona. So one of them. You only get to choose two in at least in Phoenix metro area. Get SRP or ARP. And in Texas, oh my gosh, it was crazy when I lived in Texas. There was like you could change every week if you wanted to and go off of all the new promotions that another new electric company was giving you. Oh wow. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, now here it sort of depends on where your house is, what you have. Yeah, whatever lines are owned by either SRP or ARP. Yeah. Well, anyways, let's remind everyone of our question of the week and give our little answer. And thank you, everybody that's getting involved on our social media and interacting with us. We really do appreciate it. Yes, yes. We we welcome your your answers, your guesses, whatever. I mean, you know, or we're just happy that people are 
responding. So thank you for that. Exactly. All right, Ms. Kat, if you can remind our listeners what the question was, then I'll give the, I'll spill the beans. Yeah. Okay. So this week's question was, who is the first known black widow in the U.S.? <laughs> I laugh because I'm like, I, I hope I don't chop up this name, but I may. <laughs> <laughs> so her name was Belle Gunness. She arrived in Chicago from Norway in 1881 as Paul's Datter. I don't even know how to say his last name. Storset? Yeah, that's what I'm I I'm going to go with that. Somebody wants to correct me, I... <laughs> Please correct me. <laughs> she adopted the American name and became infamous for killing off loved ones to collect insurance proceeds and even placing lonely, lovely heart ads to find victims. Oh, yeah, that's just crazy. She's alternatively known as the Lady Bluebird, which is funny because if you guys remember one of our questions back in the day was, what's mm-hmm. a bluebird? Or what's a blue ble- beard? Can't even speak today. What's the bluebeard? <laughs> <laughs> we'll blame it. We'll blame it that Gabby kicked you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're going to go into the case. And just to kind of remind you, Kat's going to give you a little synopsis of what we're going to be speaking about. And then we'll kind of break into the case. Yeah. So this is uh, involves the disappearance of a seven-month-old baby that shocked and horrified the community of Tempe, Arizona. But was even more appalling was the unsettling response from the baby's mother. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about the case of Elizabeth Johnson. And a lot of people may remember baby Gabrielle as part of the headlines that when it was all over the news. I know it got quite a bit of local news like reporting of it of like updates of when she was going to case and trial and when the baby was missing and you know all this hoo-ha but also I think um even the the other states that were involved with the disappearance they also had a lot of uh, media so we're gonna go with a little bit of this case is kind of uh escalates really high and then it just drops really fast so it's not a big huge case, but we really felt that this case was important that we shared some highlight on it. Not a big case that a lot of people talk about, but more importantly, just because this child is still missing, we felt it was important to, you know, kind of mix it up for you guys. So we'll go a little bit about the background, the people that may have been involved, then the charges and any facts or updates on, you know, the case and what's going on. Yeah, so here's uh, Elizabeth Johnson living in Tempe, and she began dating a guy named Logan McQuarrie, and they began dating in 2007. And they had their ups and downs like every other relationship, and Mm -hmm. nothing's ever perfect. So they found out that they were pregnant in 2008, and Elizabeth was really flip-flopping on whether or not she wanted to have the baby at all. But in the end, she decided that she was going to go ahead and keep the baby. So little baby Gabriel was born on May 3rd, 2009, and Elizabeth was having mood swings, and they really became severe. So uh, she would not, or she would break things in the home, not care for Gabriel at times, and threaten violence. She definitely was showing some severe case of postpartum depression. Yeah, she was. And Logan became very understandably worried about Gabriel, and he felt that the only way to keep him safe was to leave the relationship. And he was planning to do that early in December of 2009. So he, you know, was working on getting out, and she told him that he couldn't leave, and then told him that if he dared leave, that he had to take Gabriel with him. And he went, okay. And he did, and he took Gabriel (laughs) with him. 
So you're like, yay, you know, what a great dad, right? So Logan does what he's supposed to do. So he protects Gabriel. He takes, you know, Gabriel. And within hours, Elizabeth is calling the police and telling him that Logan kidnapped her son. Yeah, she just went like 180 there. So the problem comes in that the two of them never got married and Logan hadn't established his parental rights in court yet. I couldn't find any information on whose name was on the birth certificate, but I think he was thinking, oh, you know, I have time to do this, you know, and wasn't, didn't see the, the emergent need to this. Mm-hmm. So for all the fathers out there, take note. The officer came over to Logan and because they didn't, he didn't have any paperwork or anything stating anything, he was told he had to return Gabriel. That was the last time that he saw his son was having a cop tell you, you got to go take the baby back over. Which is crazy because I had a friend that had kind of a similar situation where he was on the birth certificate and there was never like custodial rights that he ever did. And so he went like six years with never seeing his son. And then he finally sees his son and decides, I'm going to keep my son that night for the night and not you know, return the child back. When the cops knocked on his door, they were like, you know, do you have the child? He's like, yeah. He's like, it's my son. They did like basically a welfare check. And they told the mom, like, this is the biological father. And so we can't take that child away from him. That's like taking me showing up at your house and taking the child away and giving him to the dad. Like, we can't do that. And so it's funny that they did it in this case. Yeah, but so many times we see with custody cases, domestic violence, that kind of thing, where nobody wants to intervene and mm-hmm. until it's too late. And then everybody goes, oh. I should have did something. Right. So now Logan had to return the baby. So he turns right around the very next day, yay, Logan, and he files for full custody. And he cited in his complaint that Elizabeth was uh, repeatedly said she didn't want him. She screamed and yelled at Gabriel. He would come home and find Gabriel in his room crying in a soiled diaper. He hadn't been changed all day. Don't even know if she was feeding him when she had the mood swings. So he he puts all this in his petition and he's, you know, he's doing, these are the reasons that I would like full custody and he's doing what he's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And the judge has the gall, the gall to look down from the bench and told Logan, stop being mean to Elizabeth. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Oh, Don't be mean to the mommy. I'm sure the guy has other things to do in his life besides go to court, you know, and do all this. Really? Right. Oh, yeah. Don't don't be mean to Elizabeth. And so he thought the judge thought the couple had a chance to work it out and he refused full custody. But at least at least he gave Gabriel or Logan partial custody of Gabriel so that at least there was that. So uh, Logan was scheduled to pick uh, Gabriel up on December 20th and have him for Christmas. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure he was excited and looking forward to that. So he arrives at the trailer that they once shared with Elizabeth, gets over there, and the place is empty. (laughs) There is no sign of either of them. Just disappeared. In the middle of the night. Gone. So Logan tried constantly to reach Elizabeth. While he was doing that, he went back to court, but he didn't get a court date until December 28th. Yeah, all this time, these days have gone by. Never mind, it's urgent. Mm-hmm. You know, there's already things going on. He's already done a petition. Oh, it's okay. We can squeeze you in on the 28th. No worries. You know, so fortunately, Logan had some support from his family, and 
they started doing some digging. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. And so they were able to figure out because God forbid law enforcement or a court would take any concern in this, but the family uh, was nosing around and they found out that two days before Logan was scheduled to pick up Gabriel, Elizabeth left Arizona and her grandfather's 95 Oldsmobile Delta 88. Now there's a classic car. (laughs) She told her grandfather she was going to take care of business. And to this day, nobody really knows what that meant, what Mm -hmm. she meant by that, to what, to what degree taking care of business. So while the family was digging in and figured out she hot-footed it out of Arizona in Grandpa's car, Logan uh, was able to discover a couple in Scottsdale. So Tammy had begun uh, speaking to about six months before she uh, disappeared. And this Tammy is uh, Tammy Smith. She um, was considering adopting Gabriel. I just think that that was like considering adopting Gabriel. That's just a little key that I just want to throw in there before we, we go into the case. Thinking about adopting him. Okay. You know, and t- Tammy had a husband. So according to Tammy, uh, she approached Elizabeth and asked if she was looking for someone to adopt the baby. She said she was, but the father wouldn't sign away the rights. And the two exchanged some contact information. Mm -hmm. So now we go between December 9th and December 18th. Elizabeth left Gabriel with Tammy. And she had supposedly given her temporary custody and signed a power of attorney. But Elizabeth's plans were ruined because they found out that Logan had filed for custody. Right. So he wasn't saying yes to this uh, pseudo fake adoption thing. Yeah, I was going to say pseudo adoption. Yeah. Tammy had no choice but to return Gabriel. And guys, I just want to share that, you know, Tammy was a little suspicious because she used to, this is before, this is uh, when MySpace existed, but she would reach out <laughs> to young military wives and ask them to give up their children. And she even approached pregnant women out in public to see if they would be interested in, in giving up their child up for adoption. Who would do that? If somebody came up to me right now and asked me that question, I might punch somebody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing if you know somebody who's who's thinking, you know, I'm a who's single. Who's already talking a, about it, but a stranger? Yeah I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a single person. You know, I, I, I don't know that I could take care of the baby. I, do you know anybody? I, could you give me some ideas? That's one thing. Mm-hmm. But you just randomly walk up to people. You know, here's some lady in the park. Hey, you want to have that baby? I could adopt it for you. Who does that? That is creepy. Very creepy. Yes. But anyway, through after Logan finding Tammy, because those two had been in contact, he was able to discover that Elizabeth was in Texas and he got her new phone number. I'm sure he was trying to call her and figure out what was going on. In the meantime, you know, she figures out, oh, he's trying to get in touch with me. So what better way to be rude and vindictive? She decides on December 27th to text him. And he received a text message from Elizabeth's new number, and she had said that she had killed Gabriel. That was like the ridiculous things that she said to him, that she was going to kill their son, that she suffocated him and threw him out with the garbage. Yeah, and she's texting this to him, okay? And we know that... You know, Logan loved his love Gabriel and he was very into the baby and wanting him. So can you imagine the mother of your baby is a few states away and you're getting this crazy text saying, you know, I've killed 
the baby and put it in the trash. The baby. You know, and she obviously didn't have both oars in the water, I don't think, anyway, because she was already having the postpartum depression and not thinking clearly. And we've seen that before. Oh, yeah. So here he is in Arizona getting these texts. I mean, he had to just be absolutely frantic. Oh, I would be freaking out. Like, you don't know who to call, right? Do you call the cops? Do you call somebody in Texas? Like, who would you call? Apparently, he called the police here, and I think that Tempe reached out to San Antonio. And uh, when San Antonio police learned about it, they started searching landfills in the area and as well as some of the hotels that she stayed at. Mm -hmm. And she stayed at a Quality Inn Fiesta Park and a Homegate Studio Suite. And what I thought was interesting is, being that you spent some time in Texas... Not necessarily in this neck of the woods, but I know you I know you've been to San Antonio, so that maybe these roads might strike a bell with you, but her car was discovered at a parking lot of a motel six near Interstate thirty five and Texas Highway four twenty two. Hmm. I think that's so, South I think that's South San Antonio. But I guess it was uh the hotel. One of the hotels she stayed at was known for having these shady adoptions. Options. Yeah. Like they'd put the women up and... What was it? The um, black market. Yeah. They put the women up in these hotels and then they could make all the arrangements and do whatever. But the interesting part was at some point the police uh, started looking at Elizabeth's timeline and they must have got her phone at some point because they realized, okay, well, she arrived in San Antonio on December 22nd, but she took daily pictures of Gabriel on her cell phone. Mm-hmm. And the last one is on the 26th. And here's some other shady stuff. So you got the baby, you're taking pictures. They're saying that he looked lethargic in most of the photos. And he was even holding some sort of medicine bottle, possibly infant Tylenol. So she didn't want to have to deal with him. She didn't want him making no. noise. So, you know, she's doing something to conk him out. Oh, yeah. So... That's just shady right there. It's just wrong. Yeah, and one of the last di- one of the the last day with the photo, she hired a babysitter and she went to a hair appointment. Drugged the baby, leave him with some random babysitter because you're not even from that area. Which is scary. She's staying in hotel to hotel, like it's not even yeah, like a safety a, a safe environment. Yeah, you know. And when they found the car, the car seat was still inside, but then the car was was very close to a Greyhound bus station. So authorities discovered that she had boarded a bus to Florida. So on the 27th, there wasn't much that they could do because it's the 27th. And when's the court date? 28th. And so once again, Logan's kind of screwed because they had not gone to court. So they're like, well, you know, she has partial custody. She's still the mom. Yeah. You know, so poof. Meanwhile, she's texting all these crazy things to poor uh, Logan. So now Smarty Pants took a bus to Florida. It's now the 28th. Guess who didn't show up to court in Phoenix? Miss Elizabeth. Three guesses. So fortunately or too little too late, Logan is now awarded full custody and a warrant is issued for her arrest for custodial interference. So now, because we can't find the baby and they're not sure, is this a kidnapping? What's going on? Enter the FBI. So now they're helping to search for the baby. And usually that happens because uh, for our listeners, it's the jurisdiction, right? She was in, baby was in Arizona, crossed state lines. So it went to Texas, crossed New Mexico, went all the way to Florida on a bus. So now that involves the FBI has to go to the next tier. Exactly. But they did find her in Miami on December 30th and she was, she was arrested, but baby Gabriel was not with her. That has to be like devastating for that, that 
FBI agent that has to call Logan and tell him like, okay, guess we have some good news. We found Elizabeth. Bad news is we can't seem to find baby Gabriel. Yeah. And they asked her where Gabriel was and she just, she would not say. And then she was changing her story around from the phone call and the text to Logan three days prior. And then said she only told Logan that she had killed Gabriel to get back at him. And that she had actually given him to a couple in San Antonio. Yes. Just given him. Just this or random couple. Here you go. This chick just seems to dig herself in a deeper hole, but it gets more interesting. Just keep on listening, guys, because. Yeah. <laughs> So the police are investigating and they consult an adoption expert and they're telling him that there is a known underground adoption ring in the area. And like we said, they are using one of the hotels that she had stayed at. Mm -hmm. So they get with Elizabeth and now, you know, she has two different stories. Yes. Because it's always better to have more than one. (laughs) Story, Story one is she met a random couple in the park or... She had an arranged meeting at 10 a.m. on the 27th with a couple in the park. So you just ran into them or you had an arranged meeting? Exactly. And she never actually named the park. And I guess this particular area outside of San Antonio has several parks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she couldn't say like it was Independence Park or Pioneer Park or give it a name. We were at the park. Well, there are the several. (laughs) Yeah. So which park would that be? And- They noticed at her arrest that she was wearing a very expensive ring and one she didn't own prior to going to Texas. And I guess according to the adoption experts, that jewelry is often used in the underground adoption operations so that they don't leave a paper trail. Right. And they can't trace any money. Yeah, because then it's just an item versus cash or a transaction, right? Like it's not the same typical transaction like, oh, I just wired you money for this child. So Yeah, so there's no wire fraud. I wonder what the value of that ring was. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was pretty good. But yeah, that way there's no wire fraud. There's there's no way to trace, you know. There's no bank accounts. I just got a big old whopping piece of jewelry. So there's this theory about this couple, right? Because we don't really know who this couple is, but there's this theory of, and we'll kind of go into it later on, but I just want to make this quick mention that it's possibly the Smiths, Tammy Smith, who we talked about earlier, and her husband, Jack Smith. So there's this theory that they were the couple in San Antonio. That adopted baby Gabriel. Which would make sense because Tammy's been all over this from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, and why did she just happen to go to San Antonio? Right. I mean, she could have got the car and gone any direction. So why did she go to San Antonio? Oh, there's already an underground adoption ring here. Hmm. Exactly. You know, so the wheels, the wheels turn, you know, but they got her in Miami. They arrested her and they brought her back to Arizona. And then this is where it gets good because... Uh, she get her she gets her charges of kidnapping, custodial interference, and conspiracy to commit custodial interference. But because um, she also faced uh, originally child abuse charges, however, the charges were dismissed later on in July of thirteenth uh, of twenty twelve. Even though she made these like outlandish, shocking text messages to Logan stating that she killed the baby, but because there was no body or anything indicating this happened to the child. They couldn't give her those charges of murder. Yeah, they, they could not reach a verdict mm-hmm. on that. So that's why these are the charges that she got. And what was interesting was going in, the DA offered her half of half the time if she would just say where baby Gabriel is. And she to this day has refused. Yes, yeah, she has never wanted to confess to exactly where the child's at. 
You know, now there's some interesting things that happened while she was in our lovely Australia jail. The one of which was they put her on a suicide watch. Mm-hmm. Pretty much how bad her mental health was if they felt that she was capable of committing suicide with her. A, is she hiding something and, and wants to commit suicide? Or is really her mental health that bad where they're worried that she would do something to herself? So is like, is she hiding something or is she just that crazy that she would do something to herself? Yeah, so they did that. And so she was, you know, interrogated by police, uh, not only from Tempe and Arizona, but one of the detectives from San Antonio came in. And we have kind of a little interesting situation with him for people that listen to our podcast regularly. Yes. They know we're all about this, but apparently the police detective from San Antonio came in and got her into an interrogation room and was interrogating her. The defense team, the paralegal came by to drop off some papers and have her sign some things saw that the detective was interrogating their client. So she made some phone calls, the attorneys got involved and they immediately stopped it. And then they wanted everything turned over. And he's like, well, I didn't tape it or anything. I have nothing to turn over. So here we have, you know, another possible Sixth Amendment violation. Exactly. Because we have no way of knowing, you know, did he? What kind of questions did he ask ask her anything? Yeah. And what was he asking? He claimed that he was asking her things that were completely unrelated to the case, but then no one was there to know if that was true. Mm -hmm. And my question was, uh, how did this detective get to that far to put her into the interrogation room? Because from my understanding, like the jail usually knows and keeps track of who your attorney is and that you have legal support, right? That you have some legal representation, And they didn't think to say, wait a second, okay, we'll go ahead and bring this inmate in to get interrogated. And that red flag didn't come up to anybody like. Yeah. And then, you know, if he didn't Mirandize her, like, how dumb is he? How does he not know she is obviously in custody? Exactly. This is not a traffic stop on the side of the road of, well, you know, no, I'm just asking you some basic questions, but you know, you are free to go. I, you know, you're not in handcuffs. There's no any, but when you're sitting at the county jail, Mm -hmm. that's pretty much in custody. Exactly. So how would you, how would you not know that? So apparently they stopped that and... We don't know exactly what the whole case was of why he was there. But I think he went back to Texas and I think whatever was said between them, I don't think any of that ever came out in her trial. So she was okay. My thought is maybe he came to question her about the illegal adoption, like, you know, the black market. Maybe she was involved or maybe he just needed some confirmation, but we'll never know now because this detective decided to do things in his own way. (laughs) There's laws, there's rules for those reasons, guys. You know, which is why if you go back, that's why we took the time to do the Miranda case, just to make you guys aware of this and just make sure that you, you know, you know your rights and stuff. Yes. Don't let them trick you because they can be very tricky. It's scary. It's actually scary. Yeah. It's like when in doubt, no matter how scary it is, don't say anything. I've always said that. It's like, you know what? Get an attorney. Even if they tell you, oh, now you look suspicious because you hired an attorney, be like, sorry about it. This is my right. Exactly. If that makes me suspicious, you know, I'm still not talking to you. Exactly. But you know, what was really suspicious after all these charges and she went to trial. I mean, Tammy also was a would-be adoptive mother. She was also charged for forgery and conspiracy to commit custodial interference. And she had to serve 30 days in jail with additional 30 days if she did not do well on her probation. What I found interesting that the Maricopa County Authority said that she had been a model inmate. But what I want to 
pull out is that in August 4th, her husband wrote on Facebook that my family is complete again. At 1.45 a.m., I picked up the world's most beautiful jail bird from the jail. She had the most amazing details of God's love, mercy, and favor to tell you about. Thanks to all the love and support from everyone. I don't think I could have made it without you. Much love, Jack Smith. So him putting my family's complete again brought up some red flags, I guess, thinking that maybe they do have baby Gabriel, but nobody really dug deep into it. Yeah, I know. And then the other thing that really kind of set me to go, hmm? was the fact that Tammy was charged with forgery. And I just went back to that power of attorney that she supposedly had for that week that she had baby Gabriel. And I'm like, nobody's ever said like it was a birth certificate or something that they could ever trace and find baby Gabriel. So what was it she was forging? You know, was it birth certificates? Mm -mm. Was it the power of attorney? Like, I really feel like nobody really dug into this. Like they got her, she went to trial, she got you know, the minimal charge. And uh, she was sentenced December in 2012. And she got five years. But wait, it gets worse. Not only was it a mere five years, they gave her credit for the two years she sat in the county jail waiting to go to trial. That's craziness. So she did a whopping three years. And she was released uh, in July 2014. And she was going to move to New Mexico. Okay. Just when you think, you know, all the crazies are actually here in Arizona. There's a few that slip out and go to New Mexico for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that makes me since I left New Mexico and came to Arizona. So I'll let that to our listeners to listen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but we're glad you came. But yeah, I just think that's crazy. And uh, that kind of is pretty much unsolved, right? We don't know where baby Gabriel's at. We don't. We don't. But what was interesting is the family is working with a uh, group of people that have a project going this called Project Absentis. And it's a nonprofit. And it was actually founded by one of the retired FBI agents that not only worked the baby Gabriel case, but he specialized in missing persons. So now that he's retired, this is kind of his thing. And Logan's family is involved in this. You would think that this Elizabeth, Casey Anthony, I want to call her, you know, cases, you know, (laughs) that's what it kind of resembles or reminds me of. Well, yeah, she was like, what, young, 24? Yeah, it was crazy. She was young as well, but she had to have confessed to somebody or said something to where this child's at, right? I would think eventually she would say something to someone, even though she got dismissed on, or she only got charged those little things and she did her time. I don't know if if she did confess to somebody and somebody brought it up, would she get recharged on certain things or not? Yeah. So it's just sad that Baby Gabriel has, to this day, has not been found. And they found absolutely no evidence whatsoever that giving Gabriel to the San Antonio couple is true. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they hit him for a while or did she go ahead and kill him? Yeah. I think it's more mixed up with this adoption. Yeah. Because she wouldn't have got that ring in that if she would have killed him. There's something definitely missing there that... Very, very shady. But then it kind of gets worse because baby Gabriel's aunt, Sandy Peters, who has supported uh, Logan and really been kind of hands-on with this, just happened to see Miss Elizabeth on Facebook posting pictures 
just hours before what would be Gabriel's birthday, mm-hmm. because he would be, what is he, like 12? 12. He'd yeah. be 12 now. So just before his birthday, she's taking pictures of herself very pregnant in a bikini. She's like 30 weeks pregnant. Crazy. And I guess she goes by the name Martinez now. I really feel sorry for this girl. And I know that she probably needed help with the postpartum aspect of it. And if you're, I say this because I'm, you know, I'm pregnant, of course, and my our listeners know this, but, you know, something to take serious because women do have this condition that happens to them, right? And it's better that you get help and seek help before you end up doing something that's horrifying like this. Yeah. I mean, like being pregnant, I mean, it, it changes your entire body, mm-hmm. whether it's blood pressure, blood sugar, emotions. I mean, the whole thing gets turned upside down. Yes. You know, and everybody reacts differently. Not everybody has an elevated blood sugar. Not everybody has high blood pressure. Not everybody has postpartum. But those are mm-hmm. things that happen to some people and they are very real. Right. You know, we are not trying to make light of this in any any way. She really needed help from the get-go and... I think a lot of this stuff would have helped, you know, the couple to have not escalated to this disappearance of this poor baby. Yeah. But as far as Logan, he he uh, went on and got married and he has three beautiful little kids. Yes. And they talked. I saw an interview on uh, on YouTube. I think it was like one of the local channels here that interviewed Logan's fiance at the time. I don't know if he's his wife now, but she got really emotional talking about how the one baby that's missing is baby Gabriel and she like loves him as her own. So it was pretty emotional just to see that, that she has an open heart and that she's been kind of Logan's support, I guess, from the get go of. Yeah. And his, his, uh, his siblings, you know, they know that there's a baby brother out there. Mm -hmm. He doesn't forget. Yeah. I think it's amazing that they, you know, have still continued to include Logan in, in their thoughts in their everyday life. Yes. Regardless. So. Yeah. But that's kind of, uh, ends our case today. And there is some Facebook pages that are out there that, you know, are, you know, looking for baby Gabriel that you could join and, be a part of if you're into this internet sleuthing, but definitely and uh, we'll put some of the links and stuff for you guys. Thank you for listening to our ramblings today of this case because it was all over the place. Um, this mom definitely was a little unstable, but um, we felt like it was important that we shared this case. It was definitely a mystery. It still is. It is. And of course, if anybody knows anything please contact the authorities. Yes. You know, some crazy thing that didn't sit right with you, a comment you heard, you thought, well, that's just off the wall and weird. You know, you never know. You never know. You may have seen something and you could be the one that turns this case. Yeah. I mean, you know, better to turn it in and go, well, that was nothing than do nothing. Exactly. Well, before we let you guys go, I'll uh, end our episode with the question of the week. The question is, what was the real name of Sexy Sadie convicted of murder as part of the Manson family? Ooh, good one. (sighs) Getting into the Manson family cases now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I invite everybody to, you know, listen to us on all the different platforms and share it with your friends and family. Follow us on our social media, our webpage, and we look forward to talking to you guys next week. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We got it. We've got a really good one coming up for you. Yes. And Casey, before we leave, uh, next week's episode is about the case on Timothy Ring. Yeah. So not only was that a 
Wow case uh, there was uh, involved the Supreme Court even and made some major, major changes for a lot of people and a lot of things. So yes, definitely one you want to tune in for. Absolutely. Well, you guys take care, be safe and be kind out there. And we will talk to you guys next week. That's right. Have a terrific week. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate every one of you. So thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. Take care now. Bye. Bye bye. Time for Crime is a podcast about true crime, prison life, and the opinions from the people who've worked on the inside. Please follow us and leave a five-star review on your favorite podcatching software. Help us get our voice out there. You can get more information about the podcast and this case at www.timeforcrime.net. Look for us on Twitter at Time for Crime one or on Facebook at Time for Crime Vanny Cat. Feel free to leave us a comment on our voicemail at 623-292-5871. We might even put your call on the podcast. Like it, love it, and share it, but please credit the hosts Vanessa Nunez and Kathy Delaney for their commitment to the podcast and service to the community. We'd like to send a special thanks to Nickel Ninth for the music in this podcast. We'd also like to thank Dave Kaiser and Peter Ninth for their support of the podcast and website. And most importantly, we'd like to thank you, the listener. Without you, we couldn't bring you this podcast. Take care, everyone.